The Role of Community in the Christian Life, on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This year, on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th, ACBC is hosting our annual conference on the topic of theology. We want to show Christians how theology is relevant for the lives that we live as Christians and how it is crucial to address the problems that we face. Every year before our annual conference, we have a pre-conference, and this year, on October 3rd, we'll be hosting a pre-conference on the topic of the church, and we're calling the pre-conference Life Together. We are thrilled uh, that our ministry partner for the pre-conference this year is Non-Marks. We wanted to partner with them, and they wanted to partner with us because we both believe that uh, theology is absolutely inextricable from the Christian life, and because we believe together that the church is the primary location for living the Christian life. This week, we are honored to have as our guest the editorial director at Nine Marks, Jonathan Lehman, who's going to speak with us about community. We're glad you're with us, Jonathan. Thank you, Heath. I'm grateful to be here. Everybody talks about biblical community. At least I hear that all the time. We need more community. We need better community. What does biblical community actually look like? Yeah, great question. Let, let me answer that both biblically and then practically. Biblically, you want to think about all the different wonderful metaphors Scripture gives for the church and what it is. It talks about the church as a family, and I think that means it's going to... What's it going to look like? Well, there's going to be a, a level and an experience of relational intimacy and shared identity like we know in a family. The Bible talks about the church as a body, which means there's a, a kind of mutual dependence that we have on one another, and even different roles, different parts of the body. So it's it's got to look like that somehow. Uh, the Bible talks about the church as a temple of the Spirit, which means that God specially identifies himself and dwells with these people, just as he had done with the people in the Old Testament. So we are a people marked off and identified with God. Well, what does that look like? You know, the Bible talks about the church as a, as a vine and branch, um, communicating our dependence on Jesus and His Word. If, if, if the vine isn't attached to the, or the branch isn't attached to the vine, the, the, the Lord and His Word, we might as well be cut off, it talks about. So, so biblically, it's going to look like a lot of these different things, right? Uh, well, what does that look like practically? Well, it means we're going to gather once a week, at least. We're, we're, we're called to do that. We're, we hear primarily from God's Word, and we engaged in baptism and the Lord's Supper, those family-identifying events, uh, family-naming events, even, with baptism. Um, But then hopefully, your church experience is more than just that. If your church experience is nothing more than 60, 90, even, you know, 120 minutes on Sunday, I don't... I'm not quite sure how you're living out that family metaphor or that you know sheep in a flock metaphor or bricks in a building metaphor. Uh, rather, our church lives together extend into Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening and then Monday morning, Monday night. You know, so what does that look like in my life? Well, maybe, maybe that looks like people are coming over for lunch on Sunday. Maybe it means I'm having lunch with a or breakfast with a, a, a guy and, you know, accountability relationship early Monday morning at 6 a.m. Maybe it means this couple is coming over 
Thursday night to do, you know, uh, some marital counseling with my wife and myself or something like that. Uh, you know, it means I'm taking vacation with these people. These are the people I love hanging out with. So the church isn't, uh, is not more than a social club, but it's, it's not less, you know? Uh, so our church life together needs to fill out those biblical metaphors. And that's going to look different for different people in different places and different seasons of life. Um, but it's a big, vibrant, there's nothing like it on earth sort of picture. That is a beautiful and a biblical picture of what community life should look like, uh, at least in summary. But I can imagine that we have people who are listening to this podcast or are listening to this podcast and they know people who don't have that kind of community. They are a part of a church. They're maybe members in a church, but they're aware that this kind of community that you are describing in biblical categories is lacking. What would you say to somebody who wants to know what to do in a situation like that? Well, you know, pastors often make the joke, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it, because it won't be perfect anymore. That's right. You know, look, my, my church isn't perfect either. We're growing, we're aspiring. You know, spend time with me and my kids. We're not a perfect family, but we're, we're growing together towards maturity, and that's what our churches should do as well. So <clears throat> I'd say if, if your church isn't perfect or isn't you know even mature in the way you hope it should be biblically, you, you know, either you stay— you work as a change agent and encourage and love, or depending on how bad it is, I mean, I, I need to hear more about your church and what's being taught and preached and are the people bearing one another's burdens and sorrows? Are they are they praying with one another? And if, if there's none of this going on, you know, you might go to another church. Um, but, but before I tell you to go to another church, I, I would really want to lean into what are you doing to love, pray, bear burdens of, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Uh, I think we overestimate what we can see accomplished in a year or two, and we underestimate what we can accomplish in five to ten years. So start loving the people around you like that now, and just see how the Lord might use you in the coming years. That's good. Let me ask you a question. I want to ask about church discipline. Church discipline is when the church would take action against an unrepentant member to remove them from this kind of community that we're talking about. You have written a book about church discipline, how the church protects the name of Jesus, and here you are speaking about biblical community, and someone listen to that and think that those two things are at odds, that uh, you can't have this close-knit community while also believe that we're going to take people out of the community when they are caught in unrepentant sin. How do those two things go together? And maybe to ask it a little different way, how does church discipline itself cultivate a biblical sense of community? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Well, first of all, let's just remember what we're talking about. We're talking about, as you just said, a biblical community. We're not talking about a Boy Scouts community, a Muslim community. We're not talking about a fraternity house. You can find community in all kinds of places. What's what's distinct about a church community? Well, among other things, it, it's, it's, it's a group of sinners who are helping one another repent of their sin, put their trust in Christ, and follow after Him. It's a community where we are forbearing with one another, where love covers a multitude of sins, where we're speaking words of grace and forgiveness and mercy to one another. But in that, we're also helping one another fight for holiness. 
A, a church community is a holiness-fighting community, because we want to look like Jesus, and holiness is the, the enterprise of seeking to look like Jesus in our life together, right? So uh, church discipline, the way people have talked about it historically, has two elements, formative elements and corrective elements. Think about a math teacher. He forms, or she forms as she teaches, and then he, she corrects. So you teach the class the lesson, then you walk around and you look at their papers and make sure they're doing the right thing. In the life of the church community, we're doing the same thing. We're we're forming, helping to form one another through the teaching ministry publicly and privately, and then we're correcting the the mistakes as, uh, or the errors, you know, the things as they show up, sin in one another's lives as, as this happened. Jesus talks about this, for instance, in Matthew 18. If a brother sins against you, go and show up his fault. You know, come on, Jesus, you're not being Christian enough. I mean, well, that's what Jesus says to do. First uh, Corinthians five, Paul talks about. Uh, you know, a man has his father's wife, you know, the scandalous set, apparently stepmother. And Paul's like, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? And and, and so he's calling on the Corinthian church to, to remove this individual. Um, so what we're doing in the life of the church, think Ephesians 4, where we're building one another, speaking the truth in lust, building one another up, giving words of correction and encouragement, that, that like a math teacher who both teaches and corrects. So there needs to be a place in your life where you are inviting other people to correct you. Hey, look, part of being a Christian is admitting I'm not the world expert on myself, and I need a community of loving people around me whom I trust to share the same gospel to correct me when they see me in my sin. So I'm actually going out and actively seeking that, right, and cultivating a culture where we where we seek that. It doesn't even call out every little error somebody makes. Again, love covers a multitude of sins, or to be forbearing with one another. Nonetheless, nonetheless, Christian community, holiness community, I want to look like Jesus community, happens when we privately disciple one another and discipline one another uh, with words of encouragement and correction, little by little, with patience, not giving people more than they are you know, able to deceive, towards uh, uh, righteousness, justice, holiness, love. That's the kind of community together we're trying to build. That's not just the elder's job. That's the whole church's job. So finally, we need to practice, pursue and practice church discipline for love's sake. It's all about love. Love for the individual sinner's sake, that they might be brought to repentance. Love for the weaker sheep in the flock's sake, as Paul says, lest a little bit of yeast work through the whole batch of dough. Love for non-Christian neighbor's sake that they might not be deceived about what Christianity is. Christianity is not to be represented by heretics and hypocrites. <laughs> and we, want to, we, we, we love our non-Christian neighbors by, by living this uh, occasionally correcting life together. And then, of course, finally, love for Christ's sake, that we might represent His name rightly and honestly and with integrity before the world. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. If you'd like more information on this topic, I want to encourage you to register for the ACBC Nine Marks pre-conference on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Indianapolis, Indiana at College Park Church. Also, if you'd like more information on this, I referenced one of Jonathan Lehman's books, Church Discipline. I'd also encourage you to read his book, Church Membership, How the World Knows Who Represents Jesus. And if you'd like more information about ACBC, you can visit us at www.biblicalcounseling.com.